Welcome, everybody, to the Career Jungle Podcast, where we talk about work, education, and everything in between. I'm here, as usual, with Ben. Hey there. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good. And we have two special guests here today that we will talk a lot with about engineering, about work, and um, yeah, both of them have different backgrounds. And uh, so I'm here with Lucas and Jojo. And so let's start off with just hearing about your guys' backgrounds, uh, where you're from, and uh, how you got into your current job and what you do now. So we can start with you, Lucas. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I guess uh, starting, right? I was born in Brazil, moved to Miami when I was like super young. My dad happens to write code and so does my uncle. My uncle has some involvement in like uh, startups and stuff like that in uh, Brazil. He's still out there. Um, And then when I got to college, I was actually studying chemistry at first uh, as a sort of like rebellious act to not be involved with computers like the rest of the family. (laughs) And then, um, you know, ultimately I got bored of that. They convinced me to switch to computer science. So then I sort of uh, finished up college, got a computer science degree. And then as I was kind of finishing up, right, I had a friend who was like kind of studying his own company with like some people in Miami. Um, And I I had been, I was going to college in Orlando, uh, University of Central Florida at the time. And they were my friend and his startup, they're using Ruby on Rails, stuff like that. So he sort of brought me on and that was like my sort of like first taste and sort of like being involved with like real work, not just like homework, right? Um, And so, you know, he taught me a bunch of like, sort of like, he sort of mentored me in the beginning, right? And like taught me kind of like, um, really he just had me writing a bunch of unit tests for a bunch of code that he wrote. So he's just sort of like uh, menial work, but it was kind of like good to see like how the flows work and. He sort of helped me learn Git and like how like you use Git and like like the workplace to manage code and stuff like that. Um, but eventually that didn't work out, right? And then, um, you know, we stopped doing that. I finished my degree, but that sort of gave me like a sort of like insight into like the sort of community at large, like sort of like the world of open source, um, GitHub and like all of the stuff that's on GitHub. Um, and then I kind of like got hooked um, and sort of just like pursued my own path there and was eventually introduced to technology like Elixir and React uh, for like front end stuff. And so I started using a lot of React. Um, and then eventually after I graduated, I had uh, the same friend that I did the startup with. He was working at a job. I mean, he needed a job, right? The startup didn't work. So he had a job <laughs> in, uh, here in Brickell in Miami working for an EHR um, or electronic health records uh, for addiction clinics. And um, that was a Ruby on Rails shop, uh, right? And by then I had already kind of like moved on from Ruby on Rails and was more interested in things like Elixir and React. But, you know, I wanted a sort of like job and sort of like see what the experience is like. So I, uh, you know, sort of joined them, stayed there for like, and I'll just like say it flat out. The salary that I got starting was 70K uh, a year which is not bad for Miami, especially like sort of entry level. So it, it, it was fine. Um, and then, you know, I did that for a little while, but then I just got bored. The culture wasn't right there. 
the people I was around at work like had no interest in sort of like learning more and growing and progressing. So it wasn't really for me, right? And then as I was working there, I had sort of like been involved with like like local Miami tech scene. And I was familiar with like this sort of dev agency, right? That would get uh, contracts. And they were based out in Wynwood. Uh, they were called Blue Beta, right? And uh, they needed people that knew React and Node and all kinds of other things. And I was like, hey, like, uh, can I join? Because they were looking for some people and they said, yeah. I mean, you know, there was, there was an interview process, but you know, since there were, it was like, it was like a much more chill interview. Like they didn't make me like write code in front of them or anything like that. And like, they had already kind of known me and some of my work. So it, the, the sort of like interview process was a little bit easier than usual with that. And so I joined them for a little while and that's actually where I met Jojo. Um, and, and sort of uh, me and him kind of had had uh, three jobs together now, including the one that we both currently have. Um, but I'm not yeah. gonna tell his story. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not gonna tell his story for him, right? Uh, and so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, after being at Blue Beta for a little while, I got poached by one of the clients that we had, right? They just pretty much offered to pay me more. I, when I went to Blue Beta, I ended up with the same salary, 70K per year. When I got poached, I got poached for 85K a year, stayed there for five months, and then went to another client from Blue Beta called Boats Group. And I managed to jump straight to 140K per year, um, just like that. Um, nice. Right. And, and so, I mean, I guess, uh, and, and there's sort of like a double-edged sword there, right? Because like, if I ever do interview with people, because I interview all the time just to do it, right? Um, sometimes say no if like they say yes. Sometimes you get rejected, but it's good to just do it all the time, even if you have a job, right. stay sharp. And, um, and sometimes they owe it. Go ahead. Do you have a question? Um, yeah. So do you, um, are you actively applying or are you just getting in incoming requests? At first was active applications. Then, uh, you know, as, as you sort of start to get more attention on LinkedIn, um, yeah. you know, you start, you start <laughs> to get aggressive messages from recruiters. <laughs> the flood uh, comes in. Yeah, and most of it's garbage, right? So it's like, whatever, like you just ignore it. Uh, and then some of the interesting ones, like maybe you're like, oh, let's see what this is about. Maybe I get to talk to the team. Maybe it's a cool team. Maybe I get to learn from the team. Maybe I get to work with a cool technology that I'm interested in. These are all right. things that you might want to consider. And so, I mean, I've since deleted my LinkedIn, like, you know, crypto is doing well. So we just don't need LinkedIn anymore, but that's not this conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... In any case, um, right, and I guess the sort of like the justification for the 140 was because, um, and this ties in with like what I was doing with React, right? Like I had built a mobile app in React Native for one of the clients while I was at Blue Beta. Uh, and then after they were done with Blue Beta, they were looking to hire internal people more, right? And I had a conversation with Jojo and he's like, essentially saying that he, he may be interested in going to Boats Group so then I was like, oh, okay, we're both going. I'll see you there next week. So then I emailed the director of product for Boats Group. And I was like, hey, let me slide pretty much, right? And there was like an interview process where I sort of like talked to three different people there. But it, it was sort of, again, kind of nonsense. They were mostly just like hustling me through and just making sure that other people didn't think I was crazy there. Um, and so I guess the point of that 
is that if you know people that work at a company, it becomes a lot easier to one, even get an interview and then two, uh, to get through the interview, right? It doesn't mean you'll get through, but it, it definitely sort of makes it a lot easier. And I think some people like to call that the side door. So, so most of my jobs were sort of like through the side door, if that makes sense, right? Kind of just like knowing somebody there already. Um, and then eventually uh, I wanted to be remote, right? So I was working at Boats Group. We had done a bunch of stuff, uh, got some more mobile apps out for them because they had multiple brands. So they needed multiple mobile apps. And then I got something on LinkedIn, funny enough, right? Uh, from this company called Textile Fashion Group. They own multiple brands like Fabletics, Just Fab. They have a partnership with Rihanna for like Savage X Fenty and stuff like that. And um, they said, hey, we're gonna pretty much pay you the same, right? 140 a year. And um, you get to be remote, right? And this was before Corona and all that. So, so it's, not it's not like, it wasn't remote because of Corona. It just was remote, right? Which is what I was looking for. Uh, and it was essentially the same kind of work, right? Another company with multiple brands. They need React Native apps for all of them. Uh, they want to pay me the same and I get to be remote. So I just said, yeah, you know, I went and I joined there. Um, and then I sort of have been there since. It's been like a year and a half now or something like that. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, there's like other side projects that I have and sort of businesses that I've tried to start with like like my dad and my brother, uh, one of which seems to be going well right now. But uh, that's not necessarily career stuff. That's more like sort of entrepreneurial stuff, right? So. Cool. Yeah, yeah it sounds like an interesting um, career and like you're moving around a lot. And um, those are also cool companies. I know FabLex, my girlfriend likes it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you want a discount? I got you on 50%. Uh, yeah, yeah, hit me up after. <laughs> We'll, we'll figure kidding. that out. We'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So before we get into advising other people, Jojo, tell us a little bit about how you got started until um, you were at the agency with Lucas and what, how do you guys differ? Like, what are your skill sets and uh, what do you guys work on? That's, that's different from one another. Cool. Yeah. So um yeah, so I have a little bit of a different background, um, I guess, in Lucas. When I went to college, I ended up studying um, communications. I kind of just was trying to figure out what I could study that I didn't need to do math in. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> ended up with communication and then didn't really know what I wanted to do. Ended up sort of, you know, being the prototypical, like, post-college professional bum, like, just, you know, kind of traveling around and doing odd jobs and stuff, uh, woofed around Basically, at some point, I was living on my friend's couch and in Amsterdam, which was cool. But, you know, I woke up and I was like, all right, time to get my life together a little bit and figure out what I'm going to do. And that's when I decided to go to Ironhack, which is a uh, intensive, like full stack web development boot camp in Miami. So I came back to Miami. I ended up at Ironhack. And then essentially in the last like sort of week of that boot camp, they do like a little career fair type of thing where they bring in some local companies and stuff. Um, one of those companies happened to be Blue Beta, which is uh, that agency that Lucas mentioned. And I also happened to sort of know through some acquaintances, like one of the 
the people who had started that business. It was a very small company. There was like five people at the time um, in the company, uh, one of which was sort of mutual friends with some of my friends. Um, and we recognized each other at the career fair thing. So ended up doing an interview with them and they offered me an unpaid internship, but like, you know, the day after the boot camp, which I decided to take just because I didn't want to have like a sort of gap where I wasn't coding. And I really just wanted to sort of get into more of a, you know, outside of a boot camp setting and more into like an actual company that's trying to make real code. Um, and obviously I was like living with my mom at the time and stuff. So, you know, I had sort of the, the room to be able to take an unpaid internship for a couple right. months after doing a whole boot camp. So, um, you know, whereas a lot of other people that were in the boot camp weren't sort of willing to, to do that. They had, you know, bills to pay and stuff like that. Um, I was still bumming off my mom. So shouts out to my mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so I I took an unpaid internship at Blue Beta and I was there for three months. And in that time, so in between when I left Ironhack and uh, the internship at Blue Beta, I was also emailing with a guy who I was introduced to. So the last day that I was at Ironhack, basically, like we were all sort of hanging out the whole cohort, which is what they called the, the students and stuff. And, you know, the teachers and the founder of the boot camp and stuff. And I sort of ended up being one of the last people there. And I was kind of talking, talking some smack with, uh, with the guy who founded the boot camp was the co-founder of the boot camp, And, you know, telling him like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to my sort of idea at the time was that I wanted to sort of do like freelance work and just, you know, work remotely off my laptop and be one of these like digital nomads or whatever. Um, that was sort of like the, the vision I had. And I was sort of talking about it with him and he was like, oh, you should sort of, uh, you know, I should introduce you to my friend. They have a company in, uh, in Asia and they just sort of travel around all over the place and stuff like that. So he introduced me to him via email and we emailed back and forth for a few months while I was at Blue Beta. And then they ended up offering me a uh, internship in Bali, which was pretty sweet. So I said, yes, uh, you know, and they flew me out to Bali and I got to live there for like six months. And uh, we worked on, they built like social media automation bots. So like auto liking bots and stuff like that, kind of like gray area stuff, not illegal, but you know, not exactly in, uh, in line with the terms of use. So <laughs> spent a few months out in Bali learning how to write some, some little bots and stuff like that uh, and doing some React as well. And then I ended up, they ended up getting a bunch of cease and desist letter and stuff like that. So they sort of had to shut the company down. Um, and I came back to Miami and Blue Bait offered me a uh, paid position when I came back. So, you know, I was still a very junior developer. So I was making like, I don't know, like 35K or something. It was like a super small startup. So it was very little money. It was like barista wages, but to some extent, I wanted to, uh, A, it was like available off the bat when I got back. Like they told me like, yeah, sure. Like you can come back and like work here. So, you know, did that. And I think also like working at an agency because you get to sort of interact with other clients and stuff like that, it sort of provides a lot of opportunities for you. So I didn't mind the, uh, you know, below average entry salary, I guess. Plus I felt like I didn't know what I was doing anyway. So I was just happy someone was willing to pay me money. Uh, Jojo, can I can I ask you real quick? So is that considered a normal entry level salary? Um, probably not. I mean, sort of like the, I guess the advertisement from 
boot camps in general. I'm not going to like single out, you know, my boot camp, but in general, they sort of, you know, look at average entry level salaries for software engineers, which tend to be in like the anywhere from, I guess, like 50 to $70,000 in Miami. Um, you're probably closer to $50,000 if you're coming out of a boot camp in Miami and like you don't have a CS degree and stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. Lucas came out with a CS degree and got a $70,000, which would be like on the sort of higher end of the entry level spectrum. You need a degree, right. that kind of thing. If you don't have a degree, like, you know, people are still willing to give you a shot. They're just not going to give you 70K for it. Um, so a lot of people, I think, that were in the boot camp sort of had these ideas that like, you know, the day after the boot camp ended, there was going to be like 20 companies like just trying to throw like 70, $80,000 at them, you know? Um, right. So some of them were a little bit disillusioned with like the process of like going and finding a job afterwards and like how much people were willing to pay them. So I think that was probably one of the the bigger things is like setting your expectations, right? When you go to the bootcamp, obviously the bootcamp is going to want to make you like enticed, right? Like they're going to show you like, Hey, like you can go out and make this amount of money, like pretty much right off the bat after you get out of bootcamp. And it's true. You can, um, it doesn't happen for everyone. You know, usually you start off a little lower and then you have to sort of, uh, climb your way through, you know? Right. But, um, yeah, so I ended up at blue beta again, uh, after my, my short stint in Bali. And I, honestly, at that point, I still wasn't even sure if I was, you know, I was like sort of not convinced that I was able to be like a professional programmer. I was like, maybe I got to figure mm. something else out, you know, like, I don't know if I'm good at this or not. So I had a little bit of crisis of confidence, but, you know, Blue Beta gave me a job. So I was in there every day, throwing up, trying to, you know, just fake it till I make it, I guess. And uh, oh yeah, then Lucas came in and yeah, that's where I met Lucas. And then at some point we ended up at Boats Group. So actually when that was probably the, the biggest jump in my, that was also the first time I did React Native. So Lucas actually left a little bit before we left the boats group, left uh, Blue Beta. And there was like uh, this upload feature for like the app that like hadn't been done yet. And <laughs> suppose, supposedly it was going to be delivered in like two weeks or something. And it was like almost <laughs> done. So uh, the product guy, Isaac was like, yeah, Jojo, don't worry. Like you can do this, right? Like you'll figure it out, you know, React and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I guess whatever. And then that was like the first really like intense, like, oh shit, I got to like figure this out. And I spent like mm. a bunch of, bunch of hours at the office. I would get in there like super early and leave super late, but I was just trying to figure out how this stuff worked. I'd never used React Native before. It was like a super complicated upload flow with like this absurd, like super like deeply nested object and like 20 different screens for like the same form. It was like a nightmare basically. <laughs> that was <laughs> but, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Honestly, I was like, but I got through it and then uh, the boats group people liked it. And, you know, they ended up sort of like reaching out and wanting to, uh, to sort of get me out of blue beta and just pay me more. And at the time I was still sort of making, you know, very entry level. I was like, I think they'd raised me up a little bit. So I was probably making like 40,000 or $42,000 a year or something like that. Um, so, you know, they offered me more money at boats group and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to work on the same thing that I work on here. And, they basically doubled my salary. So I was like, let's, let's do it. And then, you know, cool. Lucas also wow. convinced me, but yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> so went from like crisis of confidence to like some weird situation happened where like all of a sudden someone needed to hop in and do all this work. And then like came out of the other side a few weeks later, like with a job opportunity that like doubled my salary. So it sort of that's, like kept going from there. <laughs> that's awesome. That's an amazing yeah. uh, experience because I think when you come in, you definitely kind of have um, 
I think some people even call it imposter uh, syndrome yeah. or something like yes. that. And the interesting thing is, like Jojo, a lot of the people can get over that, you know, and typically when you're just, I think you also have it in your studies, and like Lucas can attest to it. I know that in my studies in the beginning, I was like, whoa, you know, what is this? And I think at a certain point, you just get drowned by so much work that you, you can't uh, like deal with the... Right, yeah. You, you can't keep on feeling like you're an imposter. You just have to do it. Right, right, exactly. You just kind of got to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Baptism by fire. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, speaking of imposter syndrome, like I, I experience it on a weekly basis, right? And Really? Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's part of like what sort of like feeds sort of my like knowledge binge frenzies, you know? I'll see like somebody tweet <laughs> like one thing. And then if there's like one word in the tweet about some tech thing that I don't know yet, I'm like, oh, I, I clearly don't do this enough. Like, I'm not good. Like, I have to know what mm. this means. You know, and then, and then I sort of just go down rabbit holes and stuff like that. It's not necessarily the most healthy or productive thing, but I've sort of uh, adjusted to it and made use of the energy that comes from it. Well, that's for, it's good that you take the, I don't know if to call it fear, but maybe more of that like, uh, like self-consciousness and you turn it into something productive. You know, it can definitely paralyze you if you don't yeah. learn how to handle it. But right. so let me ask you, so now Lucas Jojo, you guys are in the same company again. There's like three companies. Yeah. That you all together. And are oh, you in the oh, same right. position? Yeah. 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 Basically we're just, really? uh, yeah, we're both mobile engineers. Technically when we both went to a uh, uh, boats group, I mean, Lucas had a much higher salary than I did, but uh, we were technically position wise had the same exact the same. position. Yeah. yeah. And, and now do you mind if I ask you guys have the same salary? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think Lucas has a little bit higher salary because he got a, a yearly raise because he's been there for a year, and I just all right. uh, I've been there for like six months or something. Yeah, uh, but that's like it's like one forty one now. It's like nothing. Yeah. Or like one. <laughs> got a couple. He got a couple. He got a couple percentage. You know, a couple <laughs> percentage points increase, but but, but pretty much, yeah, we have the same the same sort of. They did it just salary. so he can say he has more than Joe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but um, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Um, there's actually an in-between for JoJo between Boats Group and where we are now. Uh, oh, so maybe okay. talk about that because uh, go yeah, ahead, JoJo, true. right? Like, yeah, so I actually you, you went to, some... uh, yeah, I went to, when Lucas left, uh, Lucas left to, to Textile, um, I was still the Boats Group. And then I basically at Boats Group then ended up asking for a raise. Um, you know, they had basically, there was three mobile engineers when we were there. Uh, me, Lucas, and another guy who considered himself the lead of the team, although he was no such thing. There was no lead title. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the lead ended up, the quote-unquote lead ended up getting kicked off the team. So then it was just me and Lucas doing the mobile engineering. We ended up building Yacht World from scratch uh, in like three months to get to V1. Let's, can we pause for a second right there, sure, actually? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, so I just want to clarify that this lead person was not kicked off the team for a lack of technical skill, right? He wasn't as good as he thought he was, which is fine, but his personality was off. He was very argumentative. He was always causing trouble and not producing for like the ratio of trouble he was causing. And so after a few slack explosions from him, uh, the engineering manager and the product manager decided that it would be best if he was transferred to a different team 
where perhaps he would experience less conflict and that did in fact not help. He conflicted with that team as well. Um, ultimately, way later, um, he was eventually fired after me and Jojo uh, were gone. But just to be clear, right? Like, so that anybody listening to this doesn't get scared, like, oh, I can get kicked off teams. It's like, yeah, only if you're a dick. Right? Yeah, pretty like, much, you know, just, just be a cool guy and uh, get some work done. If you say that you're gonna get everything done in three days, like don't take two months to do it and break everything. But anyways, we won't talk right. about that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Jojo. No, it's all good. So, um, yeah, so then uh, I asked for a raise, basically. All this long story short to say that, like, once Lucas left, I was essentially the only engineer on the team, uh, <laughs> you know. And so I was – and I knew how much the lead guy was getting paid even more than Lucas was. I knew how much Lucas was getting paid, you know, and I knew that I was getting paid basically, like, half of what everyone was getting paid. So I just basically was like, hey, like, I'm pretty much the only mobile engineer left, and you guys want to make me sort of the lead of the team, so I want to raise. Like, you know, I know how much <laughs> everyone else was getting paid. Um, <laughs> and – yeah, that conversation didn't go great. They tried to give me some like vested equity that would like best over two years or something, you know, and like make it seem like a, like it was some amazing thing that they were giving me. And I was just like, I mean, you could have just given me the raise that I asked for, but whatever. In any case, <laughs> it didn't go down great. And then I got an offer basically from another company, uh, Magic Leap, which is like a sort of oh, like man. the only like VC unicorn kind of startup thing going on in South Florida and it's like a very secretive company you know so I don't know if anyone's heard of Magic Leap but if they have yeah. you know they're they're sort of like known for being secretive and stuff like that so I was like oh that's pretty cool like I want to get in there you know see what's going on so yeah I ended up at Magic Leap for uh I was on a contract so I was doing uh you know it was one of those situations where you're like employed by like a contracting company that then like outsources resources I guess to the other company so I was a contractor at Magic Leap for I think six months or something and then COVID hit and they fired like half the company and the CEO and Ooh, tell them how much whoa. you were getting paid at Magic Leap <laughs> yeah they gave me uh $75 an hour which was like mind-blowing at the time well did that come out to of, a year like 156 if you don't take vacations <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> You don't so get PTO, went, so. So did you go right. from, from 40 to? I went or, from 40 to 80 at uh, Boats Group. I was making 80K. And um, then you went to 156. And then I went to 156. <laughs> wow. That's really yeah. cool, man. Yeah, it was awesome. I was, I was stoked. I mean, part of it is also that it was like a contract gig. So mm. contractors do typically get paid um, like 30 to 50% more than uh, like a full-time position. Also, you don't get like, you know, right. PTO and like all that kind of stuff. So usually you get paid a little bit more as a contractor because there's less sort of benefits, but it happened to be like a super chill job, like too chill, like to the point that like there's nothing to do. And so you get anxious about like, how long is it going to be before they realize that they're paying me to sit here for eight hours oh, a day okay. and like eat <laughs> snacks from the kitchen, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> they laid off people because of uh, COVID and were you also laid off? Yeah, I was and the whole team. I mean, all the way up to like my director's director or something was like laid off. Oh, wow. Um, I think they just used COVID as like an excuse. Like, I think it was sort of a very like poorly managed company from like where they were like with, I mean, I was in there sort of working on like a, uh, you know, top secret like blockchain project thing for like data ownership and stuff. And like, they still hadn't even really like commercialized their 
headsets, you know, like their augmented reality, which was like their full business, really. Like it was the only thing that made any sense for their business. So they just had a bunch of like extraneous. I mean, there was a guy who I would literally like walk down the hallway and like every single day, this guy was just playing Call of Duty on his computer money. Like, wasn't even <laughs> hiding it from anyone. It was just literally chilling there playing Call of Duty. You know, and you're just like, wow, this, this is insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so they ended up sort of, I think, refocusing the business. They got rid of the CEO and, you know, put in like a, they're going more for like enterprise level stuff now because they realize that people don't want to pay like $4,000 for an augmented reality headset that has like three apps, you know? It's a bit high for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still stuck on yeah. uh, like Game Boy Advance. So. <laughs> yeah, no, Magic Leap. I, I read about them a bunch and how much money they raised. <clears throat> And how it was like blowing up. So interesting yeah. to see from the No, inside. and I don't want to shit on them too hard. Like, you know, there was definitely yeah. like a lot of super talented people there and they were doing a bunch of really cool shit, but it was just sort of like not super focused, you know, like right. there was a little bit too much like extraneous stuff going on. And I was, I happened to be on one of those extraneous teams. So you can like right. sort of look around and see like, okay, like this isn't going to last very long, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like there's not a bunch of idiots in here thinking that I'm doing a bunch of work, obviously. <laughs> right. So. Jojo, before we move on, I wanted to ask you a bit about Iron Hack and like what sure. you learned there and how you, how was your experience? Did you go from like zero coding to Iron Hack to your to Bali, um, <laughs> or did you know anything before? And like, how did you learn relevant subjects for the field at Iron Hack? Yeah, so I had like very very minimal coding experience I would say like I took one class my last semester of college that was called programming for journalists or journalism um it was like a very sort of simple html css um and like some jquery sort of class and it was based like the the final project of that that class was to make like a we basically had to write like some sort of journalism story and make it like an interactive one where you can scroll down a web page and there's like images and videos that play and text and stuff like that. So some very sort of like basic, basic HTML, CSS stuff. Um, and that was like the total extent of my, my programming knowledge. They sent me pre-work before the sort of like a, to like apply or whatever, you know, there was like some like little pre-work tasks to do. So I did those and then, yeah, I mean, I ended up getting into, into the program and that's pretty much where I learned, I guess, I wouldn't say everything because most of what I learned, I would say I learned really afterwards, like on the job. Um, but I definitely learned enough. It gives you like enough to A, have some like basic skills that are like, yeah. So I think boot camps in general teach you a little bit of sort of like overarching foundational knowledge of like the architecture of like how the web is set up. So I should say that I had a little bit of network, not network experience, but like sort of understanding the architecture of the web and like servers and that kind of stuff from like my communications degree, because I studied digital media studies. So it was a little bit focused on the internet and stuff like that. So I wasn't like, you know, a complete noob where I was like poking at a keyboard with both my index fingers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they give you like, they gave me enough skills where like I could sort of like go into a company and like, you know, do some basic fucking CSS styling and HTML stuff and little sort of tasks that are like menial that like they don't want someone who is a senior developer to like have to waste time doing that because like their time is more valuable elsewhere. 
So you get like those sorts of skills that like out of the gate day one can like make you somewhat productive in like menial tasks. I think a lot of people that come out of a boot camp sort of get stuck in that role where like they sort of become like a, you know, a HTML, CSS, like code monkey for lack of a better term. Um, and they sort of never like go beyond that because that's sort of the most incentivized position for a company to put you in if they get you out of a boot camp because they know that your like technical skills aren't like super, super developed or rigorous, but you have enough to like, you know, look through the code base and find the file that you need to, to like change the CSS class name or something. So yeah, I got those sorts of skills and I got, you know, I mean, we studied Ruby on Rails, which I think is good, like full stack framework, I think makes it easier. Like nowadays, my brother is doing a, a little bootcamp and, you know, he's, started with like the Mern stack and like that kind of thing. And I think the fact that it's all like such disjointed pieces makes it a little more like hard to grasp off rips. So I think like Ruby on Rails was a really good introduction into like web development um, because you sort of get everything in the same folder structure. So you can like it's see like it all. It's like a soft landing. Yeah, exactly. Where you're not like trying to get like this, like, you know, like express thing to like talk to like this random like MongoDB thing over here that are, you know, it's like, right there's no like sort of connecting the pieces you can sort of just do stuff and worry about like the business logic and the presentation layer and stuff like that so so and a little bit of data me, right to me it's uh, super interesting that you say that because you said that later you started working in uh in blockchain development which i mean depending on what you're doing can be really intricate stuff especially if you're working on the infrastructure side. Yeah, so How I was- uh, Make that jump. So I was on the blockchain team. I was technically supposed to be doing React native apps to talk to the blockchain. Uh, so like the client mm. side, um, I was like the front end engineer for this blockchain project. Um, I did have a little bit of experience though with Hyperledger, which is what they were using there because at Blue Beta, we, uh, at some point in 2017, when the whole like crypto rush started coming through, you know, they uh, yeah. seized on that opportunity. And we did like a training course with uh, like the Hyperledger Foundation. So I technically got some sort of like certification or something oh, cool. getting trained from like the Hyperledger Foundation. So I had a little bit of, you know, I could throw that sentence in there and be like, <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of experience with blockchain, you know, and they were like, oh, perfect. <laughs> like a React Native guy. And he also has a little bit of exposure to blockchain, like get him in here, you know. <laughs> so that's that's uh that's pretty cool and to me it's also interesting that so lucas i know this is interesting that you guys both kind of uh dealt with the same thing and you came from a completely different point of view because i uh i also i worked with angular at some company which is um absolutely horrible yeah, <laughs> and I, I know uh, lucas has some experience but for instance in my degree I never really learned, um, I never, I didn't know what front-end development was for my degree. Like I had to learn it. I think right. uh, I spoke with some friends. Did you, were you prepared? Because for me, most of the coding in my degree was, you know, implementing data structures, uh, some OS things, you know, like um, in right. the degrees, they really like you to build all these like Unix things and uh, processes right. and stuff like that. Did you, did you get anything that was like what you would call real life, you know, some sort of front end, some sort of back end uh, development experience? Or did you have to learn it all on your own? 
Yeah, I learned it all on my own, right? So I like to tell people that my degree was effectively a waste of time, depending on how you want to look at it, because now, now I'm interested in compilers and systems programming. And like, I've been working on a programming language with some people. And now all of that knowledge is useful. But for all of the stuff I've done at work, pretty much not so much like, um, right? Like all of the experience I got that I used for work, I sort of got when I was doing that little startup with my friend, when I mentioned, like, mm. as I was finishing school, that was like my last year, I was like right. working with him. And then I just just like, oh, cool, I can use this for like businesses with my dad. So then I would help my dad with stuff and start to sort of like, integrate like, that kind of knowledge um, into what I was doing with my dad and just kind of had to learn as I go. I learned all the DevOps stuff that I know by myself, like how to like manage and operate Kubernetes, how to use Terraform and all that stuff. So you, you kind of just right. like have to be a self learner in a lot of ways, even after a boot camp, right? If you want to sort of advance, you got to sort of motivate yourself to learn more or you have just like good peers around you and you just absorb the knowledge by bumping around them every day at work, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I pretty much mostly, um, yeah, learned a bunch of it on my own. Definitely had like a lot of good people around me to either ask questions or help with things or sort of introduce me to new stuff. Um, it was right. actually in my operating systems class where I learned about Elixir and Elm, which are two things that oh. I ended up being like really into. Yeah, a friend showed them to me. I was sitting next to him. He's like, oh, look at this. And I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> and then I just started trying to use it. And you just read the docs and figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that you feel like it's a waste of time because we talk about that a lot in this podcast. And, you know, I, don't, I, I definitely like when I look at my degree, I'd say there were, I don't know how many classes I took. I think probably at least uh, 24 classes. I assume more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I think seven of them were, seven of them were, are relevant to like my life now. And I, and I think it's a stretch, you know, like intro right. to CS, like, you know, intro to CS is relevant because it's where you learn how to code and, and to be fair, you learn a lot of other things, but it does kind of feel like the degree is more on the theoretical side. And especially yeah. with the price, like of a of a degree of like tuition in the states, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, in the states, uh, most computer science programs have turned into Java certification shops. <laughs> um, and and then and then they ship most people off to go work for like Lockheed Martin and like build like military contractor stuff. Right. I have a couple friends that went to Lockheed Martin, do code for satellites and whatnot. Who knows how many people they've murdered with their code, right? So it's like, <laughs> that wasn't for me. I right. see a bunch of those positions and I was wondering, how many people can they hire? <laughs> you know, yeah. how, much, how much stuff did they have? Right, yeah, exactly. Obviously there's still like other universities that have like a sort of different culture and maybe they'll introduce functional programming and sort of more interesting programming language theory things. Right. Um, which happens to be like the kind of academic computer science that I like, right? Programming language theory and those kinds of things. But I, I will say though that I think, uh, you know, to some degree, I mean, it's always like that sort of argument about 
like education, right? That's sort of like useful in like intangible ways. Like it's not like, oh, I'm right. using this this function that I use in my high school algebra class like every day to like go right. grocery shopping. Like obviously not, but like, you know, um, to a large extent it also, I mean, so for instance, like you don't have that many people. It's, it's interesting because you mentioned how like in computer science, you don't really like in that degree, you don't really learn about front end development at all. And I think- right. In most cases, I think that's one of the things that makes also like Lucas a very unique engineer when he comes to a company and is applying for like some sort of client side position is that you usually don't have that many engineers. And that's also why in a lot of teams, you know, like he's very well respected from the front end side because he has a sort of like background that allows him to like approach problems from like a data structure and like what the data flow is like and you know, sort of from like a different level than a lot of people that are front end engineers, because a lot of people come into the front end engineering from more of a sort of like design background, because it's, right. uh, you know, it's sort of like marries more. So like, to some extent, you know, he brings value in that way, where like, he can architect front end solutions that like most front end, and it's hard to find, like, really, like, legit computer science people that are like into like the sort of like low level underlying, like, you know, theoretical things that are also willing to sit there and like, you know, build out and architect out like a client side application. Um, oh yeah. So in some ways that like brings value, although it's like a sort of indirect way that it brings value. And that's also what I try to tell some people, people sometimes like about boot camps and stuff. Cause a lot of people have this weird idea that you have to be like some sort of like math wizard genius, like, you know, like the guys that you see on TV, like hacking away at a keyboard with like 20 screens around them and stuff to like get into <laughs> programming. And I think uh, people underestimate how much like their other experiences in life and like what the other things that they're good at, like how that brings value to a company when you also pair that with some technical knowledge. You know, right. like you cannot have mm -hmm. the most technical knowledge, but having a little bit of technical knowledge plus all the other stuff that you already know how to do, whether it's management or design or whatever, like makes you very valuable to a company because there's all sorts of shit that needs to happen in the company, you know? Also domain knowledge, right? Like if you used to be like a nurse, right? right. At an addiction clinic and then you became a programmer, the company that I was at for the EHR would eat that up. They're like, yes, please bring a programmer that is concerned about the business and the problem domain, not just like bits and numbers, right? So. So yeah, that's All a right. good point, right? There, there's definitely value in being a domain expert that then transitions to programming. Yeah, interesting um, how you guys um, are comparing, you know, the bootcamp and bringing more to the table from different domains. I think this is a good segue because a lot of who we're trying to target are people just starting out or possibly considering going to a bootcamp or doing a computer science degree or doing a different degree and then doing um, a bootcamp. So what, what would you guys recommend for someone either, you know, 18, just starting out and thinking, you know, what do I study? What do I study? Or someone who graduated like you, Jojo, with a communications degree and is thinking of breaking into tech. You know, it's one of those sort of, I guess, uh, it's one of those very individual questions because obviously right. people's circumstances differ so much. But I think if I was 18 again and I was back in college, obviously you have to always especially nowadays, sort of like weigh what the cost of your college, you know, I went to an in-state college, like I didn't pay very much for college because I had my Bright Futures scholarship or whatever from my high school grades. And 
I just stayed in state. There was people going to my college that came from out of state that were paying like, you know, $30,000 a semester or something, which I thought was certain, yeah, yeah. you know, like you should never, you should not have been oh. going to the school I was going to studying communications, paying 30 grand a semester, just because you want to be in Miami instead of like in Michigan, you know what I mean? Like where you're from, like, right. that's not that's a smart financial crazy. investment, you know, like <laughs> that's not good. You're like a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. And we're like in year two of communications undergrad, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not not a good investment but you know i think if i was to do it again and i was back at my in-state school and not paying absurd amounts of money for you know college i would probably end up studying computer science um even though i think like my communications background is relevant or valuable to some degree i think you know um it's just the the most valuable thing probably that you can learn in college from like a job market perspective that's not like completely just like boring and like soul sucking like finance or something i mean some people like really enjoy finance i guess but i think computer science is a little more like creative and you know stuff like that so i would probably do computer science if i went back to college um if i was someone like trying to transition i would likely start online honestly and do a little bit of stuff online but i think that in-person boot camps are very valuable if you really are serious about making that transition but i think that you should probably start off and make sure that you're serious about making that transition by doing at least a little bit here and there and familiarizing yourself because there's so much information on the internet, you know, for cool. free. Yeah. So that, that actually leads me to a good example of uh, a person I know, right? They're about 25 years old. They had been working in hospitality and sort of had this like notion of like, oh, I'm going to like finally finish my hospitality degree. And after spending some time around me, my brother, and sort of seeing all the tech stuff that we do, like, why don't I just do that? And, and so sort of, he sort of asked me, like, like, how do I start, right? And I said, well, uh, just go to like codeacademy.com, right? Um, do some of the free lessons, see what it feels like, um, see if you like it at all, right? And if it seems even remotely interesting, then that's a good sign, right? Um, it means that not only can you do this and then eventually have some like decent sort of like salary it means you might have fun doing it too, right? Which is kind of what everybody wants. They want to sort of have a job and then also have fun at their job, right? Sort of ideal situation. And so, you know, he kind of started the Code Academy stuff a little bit, liked it enough to actually even pay for the service. I'm not saying that you should pay for the service. That's sort of up to you, right? And there's many such services, right? The Code Academy is only one example. Um, And after the Code Academy stuff, he's like, okay, but like, this doesn't feel like there's enough substance here, right? Like, like, what am I going to just like show up to a job and be like, yeah, I finished like three months on Code Academy. Like, what do you want me to do? And I feel like that's a harder sell, right? So then he eventually, and I explained to him like that, you know, how boot camps work and what the idea is there and that the most valuable thing uh, that you'll get out of boot camp, especially if you go in already knowing some of this stuff, one, it makes the lessons a little bit easier and maybe you can sort of like absorb more. And two, they provide the sort of social connections of like lining you up for jobs, right? It's not, you sort of talked about it already, right? Like they have a career fair thing, right? And then that puts you right in front of people. And then there's like this sort of like trust kind of thing, right? Because these people hire out of the boot camps because they have at least some kind of trust that like the people that will come from there will bring value to their company, right? Um, Not that we're livestock, but um, you know, Capitalism is capitalism, so it is what it is. <laughs> and yeah, so I would say, right, uh, someone that's just trying to break in, has never touched the line of code before, uh, 
go go to some online resources uh, and start to just kind of get a taste for it, get some exposure to it. You'll probably feel super lost at first. Um, if you don't know anybody personally that already does this, because that would be your greatest resource at first, right? If you happen to know people already that do this, ask them for help, right? Um, ask them for help when you're solving problems, um, ask them for advice. Um, and if you don't, um, just find a Discord. Like there's tons of Discord channels and servers everywhere um, that sort of has a bunch of people that will be willing to help you, um, yeah. right? I don't personally know any because I don't really like use Discord for that. I usually hang on like the programming language community Discords, but that would be a good place. Maybe you're learning JavaScript. You go to like the JavaScript Discord and there's probably a help channel in there and you just fire away and some rando on the internet's gonna answer you. And, and yeah, that's fair too. Yeah. My, uh, actually, I remember now that my, that JavaScript for, or programming for journalist, journalism class that did my last semester, we actually pretty much like every week was, uh, there was like a couple of like Code Academy modules that we had to do either like HTML, CSS or like JavaScript um, or jQuery or something like that. So it was actually, uh, I went through a bunch of Code Academy before I went to Ironhack, mm. actually. So that's a and fair, did, uh, a fair point. Did you find it helpful? I did a little bit um, in the B. I'm, so like A, I sort of first did it just because it was part of the class that I was taking in college. And then, mm. but then when I did go to do like the pre-work and stuff like that for, for applying to Ironhack, um, I definitely think it helped me just because, you know, I sort of already understood like what a function is, you know, and that they like, can like take arguments and like, you know, for like someone who like just never seen code before, sometimes it like just already that, that you can like define something somewhere and then like call it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like something like that yeah. simple can like be, just throw them for a loop, you know? So I think like just going through the very basic, like, hey, here's a variable, here's a thing, like, and you know, very sort of like straightforward guided, at least gives you a little bit of context to like start exploring, you know? Oh yeah, I think what Lucas says is like super helpful because I think definitely in the beginning, before you know what code is, Code Academy gives you like a very good taste in a nice way. Uh, yeah. When I want to learn, when I when I want to learn how to code, I first did it and I loved it, and then I needed something with more substance. But I think definitely in the beginning, to get your feet wet, it can kind of orient you in the right direction. And I've never done their paid services, but uh, it might be good. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is yeah. not an ad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll plug things in the end. <laughs> um, cool. All right, so I think we're reaching uh, the end of an hour. So before we end off here, I want you guys to try and uh, explain to someone who's not in tech, doesn't know anything about coding like what you do in a day-to-day -day, and how, how would you explain that to someone? And then uh, and any last words also for anyone who's just thinking of going into coding? Uh, Jojo, you want to go first? Because I pretty much just delete all my emails all day. Like that's what I do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I do instantly delete my emails and never read them, but that's I do more than that, right? I, uh, uh, it involves... Uh, so like, I don't know, like the start of the day, right? You wake up, you sort of sign into Slack and this depends on whether or not you're remote, right? Maybe you drive to an office um, and, you know, generally there's like a daily team meeting. 
Is this the kind of question or answer you're looking for? By the way, before uh, I yeah. rant. Yeah. Right. So then, you know, generally speaking, there's like a, a, a sort of daily team meeting, which is called stand-up. Uh, most teams try to follow something that's called like an agile flow, uh, which is also something that's worth being familiar with, right? Uh, um, sort of agile methodologies. Yeah. And, um, a quick, a quick interruption right there. Actually, if you're looking to break into tech and you're applying for jobs, the one thing as a junior that you can know that will help you stand out a lot more over other people that have done boot camps, et cetera, is like good knowledge of Git workflows and agile methodology, because almost every company is going to use those two things. And as a junior, if you are even mildly more advanced than the other juniors, it's going to be uh, a big win for you in the interviewer's eyes. Anyways, right. continue, Lucas. No, but that's a good point, right? So like most of your day-to-day -day, uh, in your job uh, involves following some kind of process that is more or less some loose interpretation of agile that the company has decided for themselves. You'll see similarities across all of them. For example, there's things called sprints, which is essentially just two weeks, like two week blocks of time, maybe one week, right? Every company kind of decides for themselves how long they want a sprint to be. But the average you usually see is about two weeks. And so like every two weeks, you sort of, the team commits to like a chunk of work, right? And that'll be broken up into sort of like tickets or tasks. Uh, very similar to like how a kitchen works, for example, right? Like you place an order that goes on like a receipt. Uh, you see the cashier kind of like clip the receipt onto like a wire and then throw it back to the kitchen. And then they all just kind of like come in and order and the kitchen just sort of grabs a ticket, does a task, grabs a ticket, does a task. And, th and that's kind of what your day-to-day -day is like uh, as a developer. Um, and there's also moments where you'll plan tickets with the product managers, right? So it's not like you are just blindly given tickets. You have a say in how some of the work is structured and how the work is divided into sort of smaller incremental changes into the code base, right? And that's generally the idea. And that's generally what your day-to-day -day will look like, right? Some mix of like meetings, uh, a little bit of code, um, looking at tickets, deciding what to work on, uh, maybe answering questions for product managers so they have more information about the tickets they need to make. Um, so there's a fair bit of planning, fair bit of writing code. Um, so balance, yeah, cool. and delete and deleting emails, <laughs> <laughs> and making sure that little green icon next to your name in Slack stays green, even if you're actually slacking off. <laughs> that's if you're that, that's if you're remote. You know, you just make sure your computer's not asleep. <laughs> no, that's bad advice. That's bad advice. <laughs> that's bad advice. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a senior, then you could do. That. <laughs> um, Jojo, anything you want to add to that, or? I think that's a good summary. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good summary. You know, it's really, like you said, just uh, it's going to be some interpretation of like some agile workflow. And, you know, your work, your day to day is really split between doing some work and then sort of mediating the understanding of like the technical challenges and the business challenges between like the product people and stuff like that, you know, like explaining to them like why something can't be done or why something will take a very long time um, and why we might want to do something else instead, you know, that sort of thing. So it's really just a balance of that meetings and picking up some tickets off of a board. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound super exciting. You know, it's not as glamorous as the movies. No, yeah, no uh, keyboard noises in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I imagine writing equations on glass like the movie The Social Network. <laughs> yeah, my windows, all the windows in my house are just covered in dry erase markers, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't even have a whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I think uh, we're good. I think we went over a whole bunch of topics that I think would be useful to anyone starting out. And uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining and sharing a little bit about your journey and um, coding and your job. And to the listeners, um, this week was another week about boot camps. And next week, we are going to go into digital apprenticeships. So stay tuned. <laughs>